All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 170 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger along with Frank Saravalli. And uh, Frank, there is some interesting uh, storylines. I'm surprised at some of the teams that just continue to struggle. The uh, the St. Louis Blues uh, finally got a win after losing eight straight. They beat San Jose last night. But the uh, Calgary Flames... I've uh, lost seven in a row. Uh, Jonathan Huberdeau is uh, is banged up. Now, I know two of those were in overtime, but still, that's seven uh, games without a win. Uh, overtime losses don't feel like wins. Um, are you surprised that early on, we've had some teams, Pittsburgh, say, you know, teams that were playoff teams last year, that have really gone in extended funks? I mean, even teams that weren't playoff teams last year, like Vancouver, it seems like there's been longer to your point, extended skids than previous years, seven, eight games. How many games did Vancouver go without a win? I think it was seven. Um, it's a long time. That's a 10% chunk of the season. And just talking to people in, in all of those markets, you know, the guys in St. Louis are, they're like, we need a spark here. Like we, we need something. And in Calgary, you hit on it last year and I never really, dug into the numbers. I know you did, but just how healthy their blue line was last year. So not only how healthy, but you, you take out another piece like an Eric Branson. I'm not saying he's the end all be all difference maker, but you take out a piece like that and you replace him with someone else. I know Uyghur came in 
they're in a spot where they're playing their ninth and 10th guys on their depth chart right now in terms of defense. So I think that plus some of their depth scoring issues haven't helped um, in St. Louis. Like they're, they're a team that looks like they're lost without confidence. Yeah. Like Calgary, Calgary. And I said, I, I was concerned about their offense because they lost Goudreau and Kachuk and Lindholm, but Mangiapane had had a career year. Like you had four guys who were 35 goal scorers and it just, the odds of doing that again, you know, we're, we're just not very good uh, for your team. And so now we see where Calgary's at, that they're, they're going to have to scratch and claw to, to get their way out of it. And, and then there's, you know, there's those, but they're not going to be able to trade their way out of it. Jay. No, that's the one thing everyone keeps asking. Like, Hey, when are you going to make a move to make something happen in St. Louis? People started talking about the coach and Craig Ruby again. I think him and Doug Armstrong are tied at the hip right now. He got a three-year extension last year. Like I don't see a coaching change coming. I don't see it coming in Calgary either. Daryl Sutter just got an extension and there's no magic potion. There's no move that you can make. That's going to snap your team out of this funk. And the odd thing, the craziest part for Calgary, Jay, is that, it seems like Calgary in these last three, two, three games, as their swing went out East, they actually played some of their best hockey during this stretch and still lost. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is, I know it's early in the season, Frank, but you can almost argue that the flames 14 points behind Vegas. Like if, if they're thinking home ice playoffs, they're thinking second place, like first place might be also already out of reach. You're 14 points behind a team. 14 like Vegas they won nine in a row now you know Jack uh, Eichel gets the, the hattie in the third period last night in Buffalo you saw Mark Stone's reaction on the bench afterwards um you know that team is absolutely rolling right now and you know what you, you could you know Edmonton maybe is on the cusp of also not catching they're 10 points behind them and they lost to Vander Kane now for three to four months like it's you know it might be the race for second place as crazy as it sounds so early in the season in the Pacific it's, it's kind of annoying how the NHL's point system works in that once you have a lead, it's so incredibly hard to make up ground that like we see very rare exceptions to it. And you, that other team, Vegas, like they could not win for a stretch and your team needs to go so far above and beyond. You basically need to not lose for a long time in order to try and get close. It, it's really hard to make up ground in this league. Oh, incredibly difficult. And man, like Vegas, uh, the New Jersey Devils, uh, they've won eight in a row. Like they just continue to roll. It's it's really impressive. And, you know, Boston's 12 and two. Like last year, there was a real gap, Frank, um, in the East anyway, of the top eight teams. It doesn't look like there's going to be that. But early on, we've got a gap in three of the four divisions. And you've got like some teams with that are much, much better. And I, I think they'll at least be playoff races this season. Well, you know, like there wasn't a lot, especially in the East, like in January, we knew who the eight teams were, but I don't think it was the most boring season ever last year. I hope we don't get that again. No, I I think you'll have competitive races for playoff spots, but we might see some, some division winners, you know, where we're like, okay, it's January. And we know 100% who's winning their divisions. And that's like, I'm not sure that's great. I agree with you. And for Eastern teams last year, talking to fans, you had eight teams who knew for sure their team was in. And the other eight were like, well, what are we doing here? It's January. And we know it's basically where are we going to finish in the lottery? And th that's a rarity, but you, you don't want that to become a trend. I'm not sure how you prevent it because the NHL has done everything to try to uh, have parity in the NHL. 
Now, one other surprise team, Frank, for me, because when I looked at their when their early season schedule, 20 of their first 24 games would be on the road. I didn't think they'd be that competitive to begin with, but here we are, 13 games in, half just over halfway through that terrible schedule, and the Arizona Coyotes have won three in a row, and they are six, six, and one. I I'll look at every other team and we can talk negative surprises. I don't think like there's them in New Jersey to me that are the biggest surprises positively in the NHL and Arizona, even though they're 500 still might be the biggest surprise. They're actually the ninth place team in the West right now. One, I think one point back of the playoffs. Um, Yeah. I don't think anyone saw that team being anywhere near as competitive. And, And frankly, the Chicago Blackhawks, um, with the same number of points are not all that far off because I think we were saying this is going to be a two man race for, for Connor Bedard and both those teams are going to be in the same division, but I wanted to throw this at you and, and good, good reminder of teams that have exceeded expectations on, as we look at the standings on November 11th, remembrance day in Canada, veterans day in the U S of the four division leaders, New Jersey, Boston, Winnipeg and Vegas, which one is the most unlikely? Which one are you most surprised about? Um, I probably, yes, I would probably have to go still probably New Jersey. Um, you know, the Metro's got some really good teams and, uh, I know they're only three points up on Carolina, but I'll, I'll still stick with Jersey. I second would be Boston because they're seven points up. Right. Uh, them winning the leading the division with all their injuries is a surprise, but I'll, I'll still take New Jersey. I'm going to say Vegas. I mean, New Jersey is surprising, but just the edge that Vegas has that we just talked about. There were so many question marks with this team heading in, and I know part of it was, well, if they're just a bit healthier than last year, then they're going to rebound in a big way. But then the next part was, what do they do with their goaltending? Robin Leonard's out the whole season. Is Logan Thompson good enough to carry the ball for an entire season stretch? The answer to this point has been yes. And I thought that they'd be much improved, but I definitely didn't see this type of lead on the division coming. And I wasn't sure that they'd be able to score goals in the pace and frequency with which they have. That is probably the biggest surprising factor. Yeah, no, that's fair. And actually, Arizona is actually tied for the second wildcard spot right now um, with Chicago and uh, and the Wild. So the, they're even they're even closer than we thought. Now, um, you did mention uh, Remembrance Day and, and Veterans Day, Frank. And I, I wanted to do a, a quick shout out for 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 a charity that I that I just actually found out about. They're called no stone left alone. It's, it's spread across Canada into Europe. And I think it's probably eventually coming to the United States and uh, what it is. It's very simple. It's a foundation that, um, they work with kids and uh, they get these kids busted to the, to, uh, different cemeteries where they have every, uh, you know, military veteran, they get a poppy placed on their headstone on, on the week's days leading up to, uh, to Remembrance Day and Veterans Day. And, and you have the, these young kids who, who come out there and, you know, they read the headstone. And, and what's interesting, especially for junior high kids, is it's funny because I, I saw a video of, of, of a, there was a 14-year-old girl in the video and she said, now I know what Remembrance Day is. I thought it just was a holiday before. 
because they'd never really discussed it. And she was amazed that the first person's headstone she was at was an 18 year old. And for some reason, you know, they thought, well, you're, you know, cemeteries are where old people die, not necessarily young people. And so no stone left alone for anybody who's, who's passionate about um, veterans and, and wants them to be honored and remembered forever. I, I would check it out. It's, it's fantastic. And it's, it's really spreading worldwide, started in Canada. It's up into France and Poland. And uh, my understanding is it's coming to the U S soon as well. Yeah. Well said. And it, it's interesting because until you actually see it and feel it, um, you can read about it, you can talk about it, but until you actually, you know, for, in my case, when I was in, as you mentioned, junior high, we went on a class trip to Washington and, and went to Arlington national cemetery and to see the acres and acres of graves. Like you don't really, you, you can think it, but you don't grasp it until you actually see it. And you go to the tomb of the unknown soldier and it's, um, it's, it really grabs you. And, you know, even on, on our recent trip to Italy, you know, one of the things we talked about was going to the American, uh, cemetery right outside of Rome where my wife's uncle is buried and just seeing those things, um, you know, people that fought overseas and, and really never, they never made it home, but their bodies never even made it home. Yeah. Uh, now how many are in Arlington? I don't know the answer to that. It's a ton. It's I, I, I'm actually going to look it up because that's it's it's one of the biggest ones, is it not? It is. It is the biggest one in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. So, and you're right. I think the visual four hundred thousand people are buried there. Four four hundred thousand. Yes. Oh my goodness. So yeah, I think it's six hundred and thirty nine acres of graves. Holy cow. That's yeah. I hear the number, but to see that, to just walk through it, I think for, for, for young kids, it's, it's a real great reminder because when you think about the, the, like the first world war, I don't, there's no veterans left from the first world war. And from the second world war, you know, they're, you know, in their, in their late nineties, right. The, the few that are, that are still living. And, you know, there's lots of active members right now that in, uh, in North America. And I know that, you know, people can, can be divided right now. And it's, it's unfortunate sometimes I think that, you know, people pick their left or their right and they stick with it come hell or high water. But I, I would still take uh, living in North America, Canada, or the U S over so many other countries when it comes to freedom and choice and, and everything else. And so, um, you know, even the, uh, the, the active members today, a big shout out to them on remembrance day and at 11 o'clock, um, whatever, to, whatever time zone you're in, make sure you take those two minutes and really think about the people and think about how lucky we are to live because you know what, you could be in a, in a country like Russia, for instance, where you don't have a choice and you're at war and you have, and even if you oppose it, there's nothing you can do about it. Well said. Now let's bring in uh, Tyler Uremchuk. We'll uh, get things uh, back to hockey here. Ty, how you doing? I am doing well, Jay, and I'm ready to go with a Friday edition of Buy or Sell delivered by our friends at DoorDash. You can use the promo code GAMEDAY25. That gets you 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app. Let's uh, get rolling with Buy or Sell here with a question about some Canadian teams. I'm going to say, uh, it might not happen quickly, but by the end of the season, at least two Canadian teams will have new head coaches. You don't have to say who, but at least two Canadian teams will have new head coaches. Jay, you buying or selling? Ooh, before the end of the season? Yeah. Uh, 
I'm going to sell. I, I think there's going to be one. I don't think there's going to be two. Frank. I will buy. I guess like the end of the rate, like does it include if the guy's fired the next day or no? I wasn't prepared for a follow-up. We'll say yes. <laughs> okay. Um, then I'll, t- I'll, I'll, I will buy. I'm going to say Vancouver. I'll even name the teams. I'll say Vancouver. And I'll say as much as Ottawa wants to stick with DJ Smith, if they fall way short of expectations, then I think they'll change the coach after the season ends. Yeah. If, if we're adding in the, the NFL black Monday rule, then I would agree and say, okay. but uh, during the regular season, I think it'll be one. Yeah. Um, what I was, yeah, I was thinking along those lines, Frank, I was like, Oh, probably Vancouver, maybe Ottawa. If Ottawa doesn't, maybe there's still a chance things go really badly off the rails in Toronto. And I was like, Oh, two seems like a good number. Uh, you guys mentioned Jack Eichel last night. What a return to Buffalo for Eichel, that deal happening a year and seven days ago. I believe I'm going to say if both GMs could go back a year, they would both do the exact same deal all over again. Frank, you buying or selling? Buying. Someone asked me about this the other day. I think I was on Toronto radio, uh, Sportsnet, the fan 590. And they asked, they said, what a steal Jack Eichel has been. And I was like, eh. I don't know that ultimately that's going to end up being the case. Like not, not saying that it it's last year certainly did not meet expectations. And maybe Vegas was counting on that to begin with because they were in a spot where Eichel was coming off that major surgery and their team, you know, sort of fell apart when he came back, but still when he played, the look may have been good, but the results were underwhelming south of a point per game. Um, and, and you saw the splash that Alex Tuck made in Buffalo, how he changed Tage Thompson's career. Maybe Peyton Krebs looks like he's finally getting going. And then we'll see what happens with this first round pick um, and what they end up making of it. So I'm going to say, yes, I'm going to buy and say that both teams would do it again. And I, I right now at this exact moment, I'm leaning towards Buffalo being the winner, but I'm, I'm not there yet. And the start to the season for Eichel has sort of swayed it back a little bit in the other direction. I will buy also because Eichel wanted out, right? And you, you can't have unhappy people in your organization. Um, the organization, I think, a, a, you know, a divorce was beneficial for both sides. Frank mentioned uh, Taka, you know, there's, there's Krebs, uh, Noah Oslin's the, the draft pick that you're not really going to know for a few years. I think, you know, this is a trade where you, and another trade you look at for Buffalo, Ryan O'Reilly, it, St. Louis won that trade. In the early years, no question about it. Tage Thompson's now becoming the player that Buffalo hoped they'd get. And so I think Jack Eichel's going to put up the bigger numbers early on. But when you look at the combination of those three players, and remember, they're getting a second-round pick this year in what's considered a really deep draft, I think the long-term benefits for Buffalo are where they're going to be. Because I think if they had Jack Eichel, I'm not sure Buffalo would be you know, a lock to be a playoff team again. So they, he'd be unhappy. They'd be unhappy. I think this is one that's worked out for both sides. Yeah, and, and all things considered, when you're adding up this trade, the fact that Buffalo was backed into the corner with so few places that Jack Eichel wanted to go or that um, was willing to accept the surgery and all the different components to it, the fact that Buffalo, Buffalo was able to get as much as they did, I think is a, it's a feather in the cap of Kevin Adams. And the $10 million cap it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's a good chunk of coin. 
Uh, all right, I think you guys are buying so much, so I'm going to give you a bit of a different one here. Right now, neither the Coyotes or the Blackhawks are dead last in the Central. That belongs to the St. Louis Blues. I'm going to say neither the Coyotes or Blackhawks finishes last in the Central. Someone else outside of the Yotes or Hawks will come last in the Central. Buy or sell, Jason? No, I'm selling that for sure. Um, you know, the Blues are, are off to a terrible start. Uh, they got a win last night. Uh, that, that'll calm things down a little bit there. Um, you know, Nashville, UC Saros' save percentage isn't going to be that bad all season long. So uh, I will sell. And that uh, unfortunately for Hawks or uh, Coyotes fans, one of those two will finish last. And here's the thing. I think secretly, if you ask those fans, they both want to finish last because they want to get the best odds in the Bedard sweepstakes. I was going to say, yeah. maybe and there's, secretly. Yeah, there's no doubt that the GMs of those teams both want them to finish last too. So I'm going to, I am going to sell as well. All right. Uh, let's wrap this up with our points bet Canada bonus question. I got a hypothetical for you guys. I am going to give you a thousand dollars. If you correctly predict which division the Stanley cup winner will come from in this hypothetical, which division would you choose? All you got to do is pick the division that you think has the best chance of producing the Stanley Cup champion. Where would you go, Frank? Um, I'm torn between Atlantic and Pacific. I'm going to say Atlantic. Atlantic, Boston, Florida, Toronto, Tampa. Not a bad group. Jay, where would you go? Well, are all four getting the same odds? Sure. Yeah. You just got to oh, nail okay. the division. Okay. Um, hmm. Yeah, I thought Pacific as well, but I think I'm going to go with the Central. I, uh, I still, Colorado, it's early, man. And I, uh, I don't rule out the, the champs that quickly yet. And, uh, you know, Dallas and Winnipeg are pretty good. So I will, uh, I will say the central, but that's a really good question because there's some legit teams in every division. Yeah. It, it is tough to kind of narrow down like, okay, how many true cup contenders do I think are in each division? And I was really tempted by the central as well. Cause Dallas and Colorado, I mean, Colorado has been there. Dallas looks like an absolute wagon. Winnipeg's got Connor Hellebuck. Maybe they're a bit of a dark horse team. Um, I, I don't know if I'd go Atlantic. There's a part of me that would still almost want to go Metro. I think the Canes aren't really wagon. Canes are really good. But I think outside of the Canes though, how many you're talking about increasing your chances by volume. Yeah, and so that's why I was looking at the Canes and I say, yes, a clear Stanley cup contender. And I think they win the division Rangers? still, uh, Rangers a, a bit further back. Like, I like them. I, I, I like them too, but I don't think they're, they don't look this year. It seems like some of what we saw last year in terms of the analytics and all the numbers are catching up to them a little bit this year. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think maybe a little bit, but I still look at a team with that kind of scoring depth up front. And if Shesterkin gets hot, I like their blue line too. It's a lot of young guys, I guess, but I think that's a team that's capable of catching fire like they did last season. I compare. So, okay. Canes, Rangers, and then who? Devils is kind of that outside sneaky team, but probably not. But then you go to the Atlantic and I, I mean, I guess Boston kind of changes things in the Atlantic. Cause I don't know. I'm not a huge believer. I would give New York better, a better chance of winning the cup than Florida. Well, 
Yeah, but the, the, you got Boston, Tampa Bay still got yeah, a really good yeah, chance, Tampa's man. Like it's uh, they've been in the cup three times in a row and all their best players are still there and they're not that old. Right. And then the other wild card is Toronto. Like Toronto's got a pretty good team, right? Like we said, I said on the pod a few weeks ago, I know everybody in Leafs nation was freaking out. I said, they'll be fine. And because they're a good team, like they're a playoff team. And so I, I think if Toronto could ever figure out a way to win a series, then all of a sudden it could be game on for them. Cause I do believe that's a little bit of a mental block right now. And if they can ever get over that, they, they could go on a run. Like they're, you know, the, their, their team is now back playing quite well. And, and Austin Matthews has had an incredibly quiet start to the season by, by his standards. Yeah. Now, now I'm not expecting him to score 60 goals again, cause scoring 60 goals is really hard. Right. But you know, for Austin Matthews, like now he's still like, he's, he's under pace to score 40. Right. Like that's that for him is a, is a slow start to the season goal scoring wise. And so all it takes is two hot weeks and Matthews can score 10 goals in five games. Right. Which is which he has. He's done numerous times. So I still look at Toronto as a team that could get in. Um, they still have to upgrade their defense, but you have three months to do that. That's but that's why I picked the Atlantic, because I yeah. think that's the fair. pure volume of contenders you know, even when you look at the central, like I've got Colorado and I really like the start of the season for Dallas. I think Winnipeg has been impressive, but I don't know that I'd put those Winnipeg or Dallas in the same class as those four teams in the Atlantic. But it's yeah, Winnipeg to me, like Winnipeg's sneaky good. Like they really underachieved last year. Right. And like they, they got in the, the thing that Winnipeg has is they have an elite goaltender. And if you have an elite goaltender, you got a shot come playoff time. And they've, they've got enough offense. I think Winnipeg to me is kind of like Josh Morrissey's probably underrated, but is their defense good enough? That's my only question, but that's the same question you have in Edmonton, right? Um, is their defense good enough? Right. Well, right now is their goaltending good enough? We'll get into that in a second, but, um, it's a good question. Like, I like it. That's a real one where you're like, Hey, and, and the, and the key is going to be who makes deals and then who stays healthy. Yeah. Because as we all know, health is health is the, the one difference maker. It's, it's the ruthless, heartless difference maker every year that can screw up a team's chances. You do everything right as a GM. And then one of your best players, sometimes they're playing hurt Frank and we've seen it, right. It comes out after the playoffs, this guy was playing and he was a shadow of himself. Right. Like, you know, I'm not saying they would have won, but if dry and nurse were healthy, could Edmonton have given Colorado a little bit more of a run, right? Like injuries play a major part every year in the playoffs. I, that's why I'm kind of surprised that no one really talked up the Pacific. Yeah. Well, after Edmonton and Vegas, that's the thing. I don't know if there's anybody else. And does Edmonton have the goaltending? And I think Calgary's close to being in that conversation, but do they have the scoring ability? I just don't view either of them right now as being legit cup contenders. But that's the point. It's not really about right now. It's really about April. Yeah. Maybe no, we'll that's fair. this one in after the deadline. Now, see, I never, yeah, it's, it's, it's about projecting. <laughs> that's, that's what makes this question hard and fun. I'm just not sure Calgary has the offense and today's game. We're, we're not in the two early two thousands anymore. You've got to be able to score to win in today's NHL. And I just, yeah. that was my question about the flames at the start of the year. And, you know, Mangiapane, I, did, I thought he had a career year. I didn't think he was going to score 35. They lost Goudreau and Kachuk, right? There's four, 80 goals. And Huberto's a good point producer. He's not a huge goal scorer. I just don't think they have the offense, especially if they get in a series with Edmonton, they don't have the offense to match them, right? They, they would be better off to pay, play Vegas, honestly, in the first round than Edmonton because they can't beat Edmonton. Yeah. 
All right, that's going to be a wrap for a hard and fun edition of Buy or Sell delivered by our friends at DoorDash. Ding dong. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Yeah, Frank, we've talked about uh, indivi- we've talked about teams. There are some individuals, you know, positive and negatively. And I know and you were very open about it. You, you weren't the huge Jack Campbell fan to start. Uh, probably I, I saw Tyler put out a, a tweet last night. Campbell's got like an 872 save percentage now. And that he would have to save something like 93 consecutive shots to get to 900. Yeah, like it's it's 80, uh, 83 shots to get back to 82. a 900. If you wanted to get back to a 910, it's roughly 130 consecutive shots. Yeah. So um, he he's, like the the thing is on Tuesday in Tampa, he played great. And you're like, okay, he's out of his funk. And then you got to Carolina and he let in another shot where it looked like it went right through his glove. It didn't again. Um, and now the orders weren't great. They had some ugly turnovers in that game. But when, when you're consistently giving up as many goals as he is, like, I think that's, it's going to be more of a mental challenge now for Campbell than physical uh, down the stretch that's, for him to find his game. That was always my biggest concern for Jack Campbell was always between the eyes. I don't think it's ever been a, a, a between the ears, excuse me, because I don't think it's ever been a physical thing. I think he's a capable, talented guy, but you look at the way last season unraveled for him. I know there was a chest rib injury that he missed some time before the playoffs and they shut him down, but they also happened to shut him down at the exact moment that his game had really spiraled out of control. And I felt then like, yeah, like he probably could have kept playing through that that rib injury that he had, but that so much of it was also about parking him and taking him out of the lineup and trying to get him set because so much of what he seems to go through is an emotional roller coaster. And look, it's the mental ability of being a professional athlete is is sometimes almost as big as the physical component. There's a lot of people out there that were physically gifted and talented that just could never put it together because their brain couldn't allow them to. And 
I'm not in his head. I'm not his sports psychologist, but that was my biggest concern. And now that his game has spiraled, you mentioned the stats to make it a long way back. I think this start makes it an even greater challenge for him mentally. And then on the other side of goalies, like Jake Ottinger just continues to be dynamite for Dallas. He's got an over 950. Carter Hart, for, and it just shows you the volatility and the unpredictability of the goaltending position. Look at Carter Hart start in Philadelphia. He, you know, people thought after two weeks, ah, he'll come down. Well, here we are now, Frank. We're over five weeks into the season. And he's still at a 940 save percentage, right? Like that's, it's been huge. Connor Hellebuck has bounced back. That one I think was more predictable. Linus Omark in, in Boston is off to a great start. And then Hill and Thompson, that to me is like, is it goaltending or is it the system? Like part of me wants to think it's just Vegas in the system. I, I've watched a few of their games, like their goalies make some good saves, but they just, they luckily don't get put in positions to have to make dynamic saves on an, on a, on a period by period basis. I think that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to give some love to Bruce Cassidy because that was the other facet of this everything that changed for Vegas this summer that I was saying, you know, I'm not entirely sold that this is going to be, you know, seamless. You bring in a new coach. It doesn't, it doesn't always gel right away. Um, and I really wondered with his departure and the way that he left Boston, um, just seeing how happy those players were that it, it gave me some pause to think, okay, what is he walking into in Vegas with a group that, you know, really had struggled so much last season. So um, structure wise and system wise, you know, at the end of the day, is, is it structure and system or is it goaltending? It's probably a combination of both, but the fact that their goals against and their goal differential are where they are speaks to, you know, some of it somewhere working and working in a big way. Oh, hundred percent. It's a, you know, being impressive. Like they, they have been dominant uh, in, in a lot of their games. You know, it's, it's like New Jersey who just continues to, to come at you and fly. They won eight in a row. And I think everybody's waiting for them to slow down. They've really shown no signs of it. And uh, I don't see it coming. Like, I don't think they're going to continue at exactly this pace, obviously eight in a row, but I, I said, what was it? Two weeks ago on the pod, I said a mortal lock to make the playoffs. That's what they are. Yeah, they are a lock to make the playoffs. They, I, I still think Carolina wins that division because just you know Carolina is deeper and they they've got a um, you know they've, they've just got more talent. But um, New, New Jersey is going to push uh, this season for them, and that's good for their fans. It's been a decade, right? They've only made the playoffs once in a decade. It's been a long time. Uh, Devils fans have been rather patient. That's the only fan base with the worst stretch right now. The Buffalo Sabers, and they're improved. I'm not necessarily sold they're improved enough, but uh, they definitely are uh, improved. Uh, then you can I have a question for you. Speaking of Metro, we've talked a lot in this early season and going back to our prediction episodes about both the caps and the pens do one or both of the caps and pens miss the playoffs. Well, I think one of them is for sure. Um, but, uh, Washington's injuries, man, I, I think that's, that's going to catch up to them for sure. Eventually. Um, if it already hasn't uh, already and you know, I think that they're going to be scratching and clawing. Uh, no question about it. Like uh, you look like the Islanders, they figured out how to score and, uh, you know, give Lane Lambert a lot of credit because they made zero changes to that roster other than, uh, you know, Romanoff on defense. That was it. And uh, I know me, I was one who was like, well, geez, how can the Islanders go in the exact same guys? But, you know, Lou Lamarello, the 80 year old, uh, maybe he knew. 
And so Islanders have the fourth most goals in the East. Yes. Like they've got lots of guys uh, producing, like they don't have even, you know, Matt Barzell. It's not like Matt Barzell's, you know, on a, on a massive level offensively. They're just getting lots of guys contributing. Uh, They still don't give up a lot. They have an elite goaltender in uh, Sorokin, right? And they got a pretty good backup. So the Islanders, I think are there. New Jersey's there. Carolina's there. So, you know, the Rangers, Rangers have a load of talent. So, you know, you could make a strong argument that both Pittsburgh and Washington could, could miss the playoffs. They're, they're going to be, they're going to be in tough. They're, they're going to have to start playing better. Right. Um, just that simple. They're both under 500 at the point, like Pittsburgh's won five of 13, Washington's won six of 15. I'm pretty sure. So, you know, you, you got to start going and like, we're, so what is Pittsburgh's excuse? Like Washington has a, a pile of injuries to critical players. Pittsburgh, obviously their back end was a little bit banged up a couple of days ago. They were down to three defensemen. Jeff Carter took a shift on defense. But they're not anywhere near as banged up as Washington. So what's, what's their excuse? Yeah, they, well, they've been too leaky, right? Offensively, I think what Gensel's kind of the only guy, like, you know, he's missed a few games, but nothing uh, compared. I think it's four. So um, I, I really think that this, they started great and then they just became very leaky, right? They, they were leaking goals all over the place. And, and then they also went a stretch there where they didn't score. Right. And even Crosby, what did he have after 10 points in five games? I think he had two points in like the next eight games or something like that. So, you know, Pittsburgh doesn't have like a built in excuse. And I know players and teams don't like to use excuses and injuries aren't an excuse, but they are reality. Right. When you're missing like Washington the other day, their first unit power play from last year, four of the five guys were out like of your first unit power play. So those are some of your key players. Uh, on your team. Right. So I, I don't care what your organizational depth is very rarely. Can you maintain that long-term you might get away with it for a week or two weeks. Some guys get hot. Maybe your goalie stands on his head. Okay. But long-term it always catches up to you. And so, you know, I think that's there for Washington Pittsburgh. I, I, I still think Pittsburgh just had a stretch where they didn't play very well. And I they of the two teams, I'm probably more confident that they have a chance to make the playoffs more than Washington at this point in the season. Well, the, the numbers would back you up. Um, I, and I use a bunch of different places to look at playoff odds. It depends on what their model factors in, but I think money puck does a nice job. Hockeyviz.com does a nice job. Um, money puck has Pittsburgh at 56% and it has Washington at 29, which wow. is interesting because those, both those teams, Washington actually has a slightly better points percentage at the moment than Pittsburgh. And yet Pittsburgh has, almost double the odds. Now let's jump out to the West coast before we go, Frank, are you a believer in the Seattle Kraken winners of five in a row? They're now eight, four and two, and have been very competitive. Am I a believer in what sense? Like, will they make the playoffs? Can can they hang, can they, can they make the playoffs or can they at least hang around until the end of March? Can they? Yes. Um, will they, I guess is a better way to say it. Like I don't eighth, think so. They're eighth in goals for right now. I, I, from every place that I've been asked about the Kraken, I keep talking about the three B's, Beniers, Burakovsky and Bjorkstrand have changed. They, they've changed their fortunes in Seattle. And anytime you can change out 30% of your top nine, like 
that's going to, it's obviously going to make a huge difference. Um, I'm going to say no, based on the idea that I think Edmonton and Calgary are going to be a lot better. Um, and I still think the Kings have a lot more to give that I think when it all finally shakes out, the Kraken are playing meaningful games, but are not a playoff team. How about that? Okay. I and I, you know, I think it actually puts the Kraken in a weird spot because they are gearing for three to five years from now. Huh. Yeah. Getting in this year would be a bonus, but if you're going to get in, that means that you're going to be keeping all your own pieces. Right. And they're in a year when they like, they've got a couple decent trade chips to move like a Carson Susie, you know, and some others that Ron Francis is going to be faced with a really difficult decision. You need to make progress and headway in your market as a competitive team, a winning team that you, especially given all the excitement and launching the Kraken franchise, you want to give your fans something to cheer about, but at the same time, you need to stick to your mandate and your plan. So what do you do if you're in that spot? I don't think you can, you probably keep your powder dry. You don't trade off guys that you might've contemplated doing right. I, Cause I don't, the, the you don't want to send, we want to lose on purpose message to, to your players, right? They battled out. Now they don't have a ton of UFAs, right? You've got Donato and Carson Susie and their goaltenders, right? Um, those are, well, not, not Grubauer, but Jones and, and, and Helberg, they just, who they just picked up. Right. So they don't have a ton of UFAs per se that that they could deal anyway. So, um, so they might, I'm not sure they were going to be a a massive seller anyway, but you know, Susie would be the one, like if you're Seattle and there's lots of talk, Hey, Carson Susie, big body, you know, third pair defenseman, everybody wants depth. If you're Seattle and you're in a playoff spot or within one point of a playoff spot, do you trade him and forego the the second round pick or whatever pick you would get, right? To keep your team competitive. I think that's going to be the interesting question because outside of Susie, I don't know if they have anyone who's an obvious trade piece at the deadline. Well, it depends how far you want to dig and what teams are offering. Like if you've got other pieces up front that may have a little bit of term, I think that also changes the conversation. Here's, here's how I would answer it. I get what you're saying, but I disagree in that if they, their goal is to win a Stanley cup. It's not to get into the playoffs. It's not to squeak in and get bounced in the first round. So you have to stick to your plan. You have to stick to your guns and you have to say, I'm going to do everything I can to maximize my team's success three years from now. And if that means taking a piece off your roster. I think you have to do it. I think you, I don't think you have a choice. That's fair. But the argument to that would be, if you want to win a Stanley cup, usually you got to get some playoff experience prior to that. Right. And you, and you got to get this team. Yeah. But this, what, what is getting, you know, five games or six games. Does that help anyone? Uh, it, well, it's a fair argument. You're right. For sure. Right. Um, but what if like, what if Seattle, it's just self gratification is yeah. all it is. It, that's really, and, and I'm, and a million bucks or 2 million bucks or 3 million bucks, whatever the playoff gate is for your owner, which is not nothing, yeah. but it's self gratification. It's, it's pat yourself on the back. I think you have to stay true to what you're building and they've taken the long view every time, right? Going back to draft day, 
going back to, you know, who they're tap, you know, going after, like that's been their thought process. Right. Frank, before I let you go, uh, McDavid has 15 and 15 um, at the start. Both of us thought he'd score 50 this year. Do you think he scores 60 now? I don't see why not. Like, I, I don't know. Obviously it's not going to continue at this exact pace, but I don't see why he couldn't get to 60. And what about points, right? Like the, the guy's on a two point per game pace again. Um, is it- I've been saying 150 for the last two years. So I don't think, yeah, I don't think he quite ends up there, but he's probably going to be close to 140. Well, one, like 150. Remember, he was on that pace. Actually, he was on 154 point pace in 2021. Right now, a little bit easier travel that year for sure. Right. Um, I know everybody says, oh, you played the same teams. Yeah. But the Canadian division actually, despite him scoring all those points, had the lowest uh, goals against average of the four. So um, it wasn't like he was getting to, to light up all these, you know, easier teams. I, I think 150 is, is so, cause you think about what, what he would need to do now to get 150, Frank, he would need 119 points in his um, final 67 games. Right. Which he, he had 105 and 56. Right. So like 150 with every passing day becomes so much more realistic. Like for, that would be, I'm quickly doing the math. Like that's like a 1.7677 pace. Right. Um, he's been higher than that before for longer stretches. So where does it, so tell me where you think he ends up. I think he's going to end up with a, I think he's going to tie Stevie Wise 155. And how many goals? 61. Okay. That's let the record show that we've both increased those numbers. Two weeks ago or a week ago, you said 55, I said 58. No, like when you keep scoring like that and it's the way he's scoring this year. That's just, that's just different. Like he has got, he has got a goal scorer's confidence right now, Frank, right? Like he comes in where he's shooting from beating guys. Like it's just, it's a different mentality that we've seen from him and confidence, even for the best players in the world. Like you get confidence. It's a, it is such almost an unbeatable beast when you all like for a guy like that, who has more talent than anyone else in the league. And now his confidence is an all time sky high. Like, and I really think that the injury to that's the scary part for the Oilers though. They don't have that much to show for it. They need, they need, they need, they need production out of their bottom six. Oh, and they need to become a lot more difficult to play against. They got to reduce their goals against. That's the biggest issue for this team. But the reason I think McDavid might, might score more Frank is Vander Kane's not there. And so when, when Kane's on his wing, I think he feels more comfortable that, okay, this guy's a finisher. Well, Yarby's not a finisher. You know, he'll get you the puck maybe, but he's not going to finish. And I think you'll see McDavid now without Kane actually shoot more. I think that's fair. Yeah. So I, it's, it's a big loss though, to take him out because of how yes. well Kane gets to the scoring area for Edmonton, that that was really I've said it before and I'll say it again. He is the perfect stylistic fit to play with those guys. Well, his attitude, you know, he's aggressive. He, you know, he can intimidate. He's physical. He does a lot of things for your team. So that is a huge lot. That lot, that injury might cost you orders a chance like, well, and Vegas to start to, to get the division. And so now they got to play for second place, right. In, in the Pacific. 
And I will say this, not to be a contrarian to anything else that I've seen reported recently, but I don't think it's out of the question that the Oilers are doing uh, some significant homework in terms of what they might be able to do to, to beef up their forward group. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they're going to sit and be sand pat at all. I think they'd be looking to make moves. So, um, you know, Ken Holland, I, I think Edmonton realized like a lot of people like, yeah, well, they're going to get Kane back. Yeah, they will, but they might not get him back until the middle of March. Right. They might only get him back for the last month of the season. Right. So you got to put yourself in a good position. That'll still be a nice addition. No question, but it's a massive subtraction, right? It's, it's like having money that you can't access right for four months. And that's frustrating for people. And that's what it is. Like, that's a big loss for Hampton, right? It's a big, I'm a bad saver. So that for me to have money that I can't access is bad. (laughs) Frank, uh, enjoy uh, Washington. We will chat with you on uh, Monday. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.